Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to the third and I believe final part of our End Time Current Event Bible Study for July 18, 2010. And we're going to re-pick back up here with an article entitled, Alien Abductions Are Not What You Think. Now, this isn't me saying this. This is the guy authoring this little paragraph. And he says, I well remember the pioneering research that my late friend, apologetics teacher David Lewis, used to present to eager audiences. David had many interests, but he specialized in Israel. When he told me once that, that he was preparing for a UFO conference, I was intrigued, to say the least. The sight of this regal gentleman sitting with, a tin, with the tinfoil hats was comical and fascinating at the same time. Tinfoil hats, meaning the people that are into the UFO subjects, they call them tinfoil hat wear. And you know where that gets its basis? Because some people that are trying to ward off alien abductions literally wear tinfoil hats either around the house or to bed so they don't get abducted at night. I'm not lying. I'm serious. That is where it comes from. And they also, a lot of people that are into that also that are trying to ward off alien abductions, they'll wear different crystals from you know, the, the, the occult world, they get them charged, they literally put spells in them. And supposedly what they're trying to do, the problem is, is you can't use evil to ward off evil. It, it may work some of the time, but it's not foolproof. Now I'm going to tell you right now what works all the time. Because it's a proven fact, they've done actual, uh, they've done actual polls in, in America and in elsewhere, and 3 to 4% of the population admits to being to saying they've been abducted by aliens. Three to four percent of the population. That's millions of people. Now, are we going to make a blanket statement and say every single one of those people are nuts and they're all lying? I don't think so. I think there's got to be some basis in fact here. Well, it's demonic and it's evil, and we've covered this in a lot of other previous studies. But let me get back to this. It says, when David revealed to me what he had discovered, a key to understanding so-called alien abductions, I leaned in. He said to me, Jim, he said, Christians who call on the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, are protected in these abduction situations. It's the only way, I'm telling you right now, it is the only thing that will stop an abduction 100% of the time. Now, I believe there's got to be faith accompanying this calling out on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't be some Satanist who's just trying to evoke, evoke the name of another god. You know what I mean? Like he would call upon, oh, Pan, protect me, or Bacchus, protect me, or some other god that he's worshipping. It doesn't work like that. There's got to be faith behind it, I believe. But this is the only thing that stops an abduction scenario cold every time. And again, I think this is something the church should be reporting on, don't you? I mean, there's 3 to 4% of the population out there that feel like they have no one to talk to, because no one can offer them any solutions to this. They feel like they're going to be labeled as a nutcase or whatever. And you can't say millions and millions of people are all of a sudden nuts and have their, there's no basis in fact of what their experiences are. An amazing new book adds further insight. Authors and researchers David Rafino and Joseph Jordan. Joseph Jordan's a good friend of mine. Um, he's a good guy and he's researched this a long time. Anyway, they've crafted an incredibly absorbing book. It's called Unholy Communion, The Alien Abduction Phenomenon, Where It Originates, and How to Stop It. There is a riveting section in which personal testimonies add rich layers to the investigation. The subject of UFO encounters and abductions has permeated the culture. Everyone from secularist to religious to the religious have embraced the subject. Rafino and Jordan take an approach that sets them apart. Again, this is going to be a major part of this end time delusion that God is permitting to come upon all of humanity. I'm telling you right now, when that Maitreya guy that we've reported on, or I don't know if he's a guy, but whatever he is, when he says he's going to make his big debut, it's going to be in conjunction with UFO armadas. Now, imagine this. Imagine if we're in this scenario where we've had all of these horrific things happen to the earth. Imagine the Gulf situation gets way worse. Imagine there's a tsunami there wiping out Gulf states. Then imagine that's in conjunction with possibly some type of pandemic or plague which kills and wipes out millions. Then let's imagine that's in conjunction with some type of false flag nuclear event or some dirty bomb that takes place in America. We'll be under martial law and then imagine that might be in conjunction with some type of uh, earthquake or whatever, natural disaster. You could go on and on and on. And then having 
World War III in the midst of that in order to create the maximum amount of tear and shock. And then out of the ashes of all of this strides this man who supposedly has all the solutions, who can supposedly get the Middle East and Israel and all the other nations on the same page. Imagine that type of scenario. And when he comes to power, all of a sudden he does this in conjunction with all these UFO armadas appearing in the skies, who appear much stronger than we could ever be as they portray them in V and in all of these sci-fi shows and movies that we have now, that we're really nothing compared to them and that we really have no power. Yes, we'll have to submit. We have to. I mean, how can we fight against this, these these advanced technologies and this man that can do all these lying signs and wonders and his false prophet. How could we possibly compete against all that? Can you imagine most likely when that scenario happens the masses of people that will not think two things, two thoughts about possibly trying to resist that evil. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. According to Jeremiah 17.9, and people's hearts are going to deceive them. The strong delusion that God said he was going to send in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is going to be upon them. And they're not going to have any explanation. And I know one thing also, the church is offering no explanation about the coming delusion that's coming. They're not offering an explanation about this whole UFO deception. And do you really think Hollywood would devote all the, the um, millions and billions of dollars they've devoted into perpetuating witchcraft and UFOs and all of this evil if there was nothing to it? If there was no, nothing's ever going to come of any of this, but that's the way the church acts. They don't even they don't even acknowledge it. In fact, for most people in the church, it scares them. They don't want to talk about it. You know, I think it makes them uncomfortable. Well, there's going to come a day when none of us are going to have a choice. Unless God takes you out soon, go home to be with the Lord. But unless God takes you home soon, there's going to come a day where you're going to have to be able to explain this to other unsaved people. And most importantly, in some ways, for yourself to understand it. Because you don't want to be in a position where you're deceived as well. Now, God can use those people mightily in the coming end time scenario. Because if you understand this whole concept of what we're talking about here, and I've, again, I've reported on it in so many previous teachings. We've got into this whole subject in depth. Whether it be Maitreya, whether it be UFOs, whether it be the, the, the Nephilim, the fallen ones, the fallen angels, the coming uh, delusion. We've gone into this in great detail in other studies. But if you have that explanation, you're going to be one of the very few Christians on the planet that other people are going to be able to look to in order to explain, wow, this is what's going on. And you know what? It actually confirms the Bible. It doesn't contradict the Bible. Whereas most so-called Christians are going to be in this state of absolute stagnant fear where they're not even going to know what to do or how to react. And their pastors are going to be in the same position. Because they've never warned them, they've never educated themselves, they literally are going to be destroyed for lack of knowledge, they're literally going to be caught up in the strong delusion that, that, that has been warned about. And they're not going to have an explanation, for the most part, I'm not saying everyone, but most people are not going to have that. And this is why this ministry exists, to educate people about these types of things. It's not the only thing that's important, obviously the most important thing is salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross. But this is one thing that's pretty important according to the Bible. Let's go further. Unholy Communion. Now, this is the actual book um, that we just talked about. It says, they usually come at night. They may take one person, a couple, or entire family. They have no racial or social preference. They have been... Now, I I don't really know about that, racial or social preference, because I do believe that these abductions are based on... DNA profiles. There's way too much that I'm seeing right now in so many different circles that are saying that one of the main things that Satan is obsessed with is DNA. I've reported on this in times past with this whole transhumanism issue, with the whole tainting of the vaccines with foreign DNA, with uh, neural implants and becoming what they call post-human, and all of the ways they're trying to... to, um, degrade and defile the DNA of mankind. I do believe there is some 
type of DNA profile that these abduction scenarios are based on. And that's all I'll say about that because I, I, I just can't be any more dogmatic than, than saying that. Anyway, uh, they have abducted people from all walks of life to mysterious bright rooms where they conduct unusual procedures, usually horrific procedures, if the people are allowed to... Um, you you, you want to know what these uh, abduction scenarios are, are a typical abduction scenario is like? Go up to the internet and key in fire in the sky on YouTube. Key in fire in the sky and abduction scene. Watch that clip and let me know what you think. No, don't let me know because I, I can't take all the emails. I really believe that's a pretty accurate assessment of an abduction scenario based on all my research. And let me tell you something. That clip is scary. That clip I mean, from a flesh standpoint, that is some scary stuff. I'm not saying we're supposed to go around being afraid of these things. I'm saying for an unsafe person to go through something like that, that is just about, I mean, you cannot help but have absolute 100% compassion for anybody that would have to endure something like that. And again, 3 to 4% of the population, when polled privately in America, have said that they have had an abduction scenario. But a lot of them don't remember all the gory details because they do something to wipe out the, the uh, memory processes. But that doesn't always work real good. Anyway, if you want to check that out, that is the kind of evil that you're dealing with in that particular scene, in that movie. I think that's a very accurate appraisal. These things aren't nice. They're not here for our benefit. They're not our buddies. There's not a, a race of aliens, supposedly, that are good guys, and they're fighting the bad guys. Again, that's the Hegelian dialectic. They got the good guys and the bad guys. It's like having white witchcraft battle uh, black witchcraft. And then you have the synthesis being gray. It's not about that. They're all evil. Every single one of them. Okay? And... It's a one big gigantic deception is what it's all about. So anyway, this phenomenon has come to be called alien abduction in pop culture, where entities claiming to be from distant star systems... Now what does that do, if they're from some distant star system? Well, you start thinking, does, doesn't that make you want to question the Bible? If you start thinking they're from some distant star system, like, well, why did the Bible talk about that? And, and Are they really from that? And Are they outside the the Bible and all, they're trying to convince everybody they're from like 8.9 billion light years away and that they're here and that the God of the Bible doesn't exist and that they actually are our creators. Did you know that? That's what they tell people when they get abducted. Where do they say that? All the time. People get abducted and they'll be shown things and they'll be shown things and if you want to see a great example of that, you want to see a great example of it being shown, Go up to YouTube and key in Mission from Mars, last scene. Mission from Mars, last scene. What is shown to that astronaut in the last scene of Mission from Mars? This wonderful looking, almost compassionate, large, gray alien looking entity comes out and shows this astronaut how we, how we were formed and that they are our creators. And you know what she shows them? She shows that sometime in times past, Mars was, was bombarded, I think, with meteorites, and they had to flee the planets, all these aliens. But what they did in their compassion is they set out these seed pods that literally went to planet Earth and went down into the ocean, and from the primordial slime of the ocean emerged this two-cell amoeba that we were, that was us, and eventually that amoeba turned into a, you know, a, a sucker fish. And then, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, and then that sucker fish turned into an octopus or whatever. And then, and then that eventually grew legs and came on dry land in some type of amphibian type reptilian form. And then that turned into an elk. And then that turned into a monkey. And then that monkey turned into a gorilla. And then that gorilla turned into Neanderthal man, Piltdown man. And then, and then here we are. Here we are in all of our whatever. And that's what they're teaching in the ancient astronaut theory. And when these people get abducted many times, that's exactly... In fact, they're always taught that. They are taught that the aliens 
are literally our creators. And could you imagine if all the stuff went down at the same time on planet Earth and things really started getting nasty? We had World War III. Antichrist comes to the thing. He says, listen, I'm here. In fact, I'm in control of all these fleets of UFOs. I control them. Which is exactly what Maitreya says he's doing. He flat out states it. And he's, um, again, we've done tons of teachings on Maitreya if you want to know more about that. Uh, you have that scenario going down where one man's saying he can lead all of them and all this technology, and he's been, and they're, what they're going to do is they're basically going to say, you know what? All the religious systems, there's some basis in fact, but most of them have deceived you. We're your actual creators, Maitreya and these ascended masters and all of these people following them or these entities following them. And we created you and... Uh, we seeded the planet with life millions and millions and millions of years ago. And this is where we get what they call the ancient astronaut theory, that these things came here millions of years ago. They are our gods. They created us. And we're a byproduct of their little science experiment. And that's how humanity got its formation and being. And that the Bible is a total lie. And that Jesus, they got the whole thing on the cross. That was all messed up. It's going to go on and on and on. And there's going to be literally billions of people that fall for this. And I'm not saying that just because I'm making this up. I'm saying that based on all the research. I just gave you a little synopsis of what I believe is going to go down. Hey, if you were Satan and you were trying to deceive the most amount of people on the planet, wouldn't that be a good scenario to do it? I mean, it would be a pretty good scenario to try to do something like that. So let's go further. Um... This, this uh, phenomenon has come to be called alien abduction of pop culture, where entities claiming to be from distant star systems whisk people away into bizarre and unwanted test beds. Now for the first time, it is revealed through analytical duplication for what, in the past two decades, a team known as CE4 Research has discovered using guidelines for redundancy similar to methods employed by scientists and investigators to illustrate repeatedly that thus this cause and effect, uh, this cause and effect, having documented more than 300 actual test cases of experiencers, as they are called in abduction communities, and have witnessed their abuse permanently stopped due to this research. This is the only way to stop abductions. It's the only way. The only way. And you know what? You try to tell a witch or, or one of these UFO people that, they don't want to hear it. I've tried to email them before. They don't want to hear it. They don't. They. It's like here's the solution. Just and they're they don't want to hear it. I would rather wear my tinfoil hat. I'd rather wear my crystals and keep getting abducted and keep having these things harass me my whole life than yield to Jesus Christ. It is insane. I've actually emailed these people before. Not one time have I had them be receptive. Not one time. The hold that Satan has on them is so great. I really do believe it's also a way that they become demon infested through these abduction scenarios. And they become so controlled mentally that they don't want to know what really, the demons inside them don't want them to know the true way out of the scenario. Anyway, and again, that's not a subject you ever hear the church talk about. Yet it's a a gigantic problem. It's just not a lot of big problem that a lot of people talk about. Okay, here's the next subject. The Black Awakening. Twilight vampirism is said to be giving today's uh, youth the kind of religion they want. This is uh, from July 8th of this year. Last November, I sat... Now, this isn't me. This is a lady named Tanya Erzin. She said, Last November, I sat in a theater in South Jordan, Utah with 4,000 Twilight moms who had gathered for the weekend to celebrate the release of New Moon. After two days of a raucous pre-film festivities, as I wa- as I watched as I sat watching Eclipse, the newest film adaptation to Stephanie Meyer's blockbuster Twilight series, and just as a side note, Eclipse in the six in the six days it opened, it grossed one hundred and seventy six point four million dollars. Six days grossed that much. It wasn't the wolves, the newborn vampire army, the fighting sequences, the love triangle, or the brief appearances of Volturi that I found mesmerizing. Evidently, he's a character. It was the fans seated around me. They had come to watch the film after holding their own red carpet events at home, sharing Eclipse-themed dinners, exchanging flowers with one another, reciting lines from the book, 
donning golden vampire contact lenses. Now, I have to admit, I, I do that all the time. I, I can't help myself. No, just kidding. Sorry. Anyway, donning golden vampire contact lenses, holding sleepovers, and wearing T-shirts bearing slogans with variations on favorite quotes, like Edwin Cullen says, I, I promise to love you every moment of forever. Isn't that precious? That is just so special. Anyway, the woman and the girls in Ohio were just part of the millions of in the fanpire worldwide. That's what they call it, fanpire. Instead of vampire, if you're a fan of this, you're a fanpire. So we got to get with it with our lingo, everybody. We got to get with it. Anyway, uh, so uh, the women and girls in Ohio were just part of the millions in the fanpire world who have built imaginative social worlds around the film premiere and series in general. Writers like Jana Reese have astutely noted the Mormon religious themes embedded in the books. Now, I wasn't even aware of that. they got Mormon religious themes in there. Well, I mean, it just shows you Mormonism and vampirism are very, very compatible. You know, what are you going to say? However, an overlooked aspect of the series is the way fans worldwide have created Twilight-inspired universes that encompass all aspects of the books into their lives. From using the texts of the books as spiritual guides to Edward's addiction groups, whatever that means, to twi-rock music, whatever that is, to something called Cullenism, which is a religion based on the values of Edward's family of vegetarian vampires. So they're vegan vampires. They're good vampires. They don't go around... Now, how do you have a vegetarian vampire? I don't understand that. I mean, they, they got to live off blood. I mean, I understand that part of them say, though, we only live off blood from blood banks. Stuff like this. We don't actually tap into people's jugglers twice a week or whatever. But they've got vegetarian vampires. And even the more stricter ones, the vegan vegetarian vampires. Uh, anyway... That's what we're dealing with here. Now, I've, I've, I've reported, I've got a whole teaching I did on Twilight and how particularly these women are unbelievably obsessed with this to the point that it's literally, it's caused all kind of rifts in marriages that have happened. And the women look at these vampires and say, oh, this is the way I want to be treated. This is the way I deserve to be treated. What, like tapping into your juggler twice a week? Ripping your throat apart? No, no, it's the romance that I want. I don't have this in my marriage, so I want it for my life. And my, my slug of a husband over there, he's no good. He's not like these vampires. He's not romantic. And literally, this is what these women are expecting now, and they're obsessed with. Some of them have even gone on to say that, well, it's, it's improved our love life, because now we know how to interact with one another better. Anyway, you just wouldn't believe how people are obsessed with this garbage. Total gar- And it literally has become their religion. It's the religion they want. And it's just like Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Just follow your heart, it'll never fail you, right? Well, the Bible says, he who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. Now, that's not a real popular one to preach on. I mean, Hallmark tells me to follow my heart, and the movies tell me to, and Hollywood tells me to follow my heart. Yeah, well, that's what the devil wants you to do. Or, what does the Bible say? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah seventeen nine. So the heart, unless it's lining up with the word of God, is the last thing you want to follow because it will deceive you. Next article, Twilight Triggers Love Bite Wave. The Twilight movies have given way to a new love bite trend where teens are sinking their teeth into each other, literally. The teenage inspired by explosively popular the teenage inspired explosively popular vampire series, as well as shows like True Blood and Vampire Diaries, are taking the fad one step further and exchanging real life love bites. It's a way to belong to somebody, to check into their territory. The New York Daily News quotes a high school sophomore named Peo Hernandez. He said couples at her school exchange blood with each other to prove their passion. And friends also give each other bites to demonstrate just how close they are. Yeah, 
You remember what I said about the coming one world religion is going to be witchcraft? Well, this is part of that, blood drinking. If you look at, at witchcraft and Satanism, what are one of the main things? What is the highest thing they do in a witchcraft ceremony? They'll sacrifice an animal if they have to. Nothing else is available. And they'll drink its blood. Now, if they can get a human, that's way better. And this is how they practice their religion, and I mean that literally. They will get a human and cut their throat. They'll, they'll terrorize them to the maximum so there's enough. There, there's a maximum amount of a, adrenaline in the bloodstream. There's also a chemical in the brain called adrenochrome that's secreted during that time of maximum tear. And they slit their throat or they do whatever they got to do at the point of maximum tear and they make sure they drink that blood. Now, I'm not making this stuff up. This is how people in high-level witchcraft practice their religion. You might go to church on Sunday. This is how they practice their religion. And they coordinate it with different sabbats and different religious uh, holidays like um, winter, summer solstice. Um, I hate to say this, but you know, Christmas, which is also known to them as Saturnalia, Halloween. Even Easter, which is actually derived from the word Ishtar, which is the goddess Ishtar, has nothing to do with what we're told in the Christian church. And I've done, stu- I've done studies on every single one of these things. Valentine's Day, different religious ceremonies are coordinated with this because they believe this is when sacrifices have to be performed in order to appease the gods they're trying to appease and also to in, in order to invoke maximum demonic power. Now we've got this happening where we're actually indoctrinating teenagers into literal blood drinking. So this is exactly, and, and you know, the Bible totally forbids the consuming of blood. Totally. It even, and I've done a whole study on blood and meat and how they try to hide it in meat and stuff like this. And I've done a whole study on that and I believe it's, the, it's entitled The Wisdom of the Levitical Dietary Guidelines. And in... And God said, even in the Old Testament, He said, Thou shalt not drink blood. This is a perpetual covenant. And it's also stated in the New Testament that we're not to drink blood. We're not to, or consume flesh with blood in it. Because there's ways you can get it where they sneak it in. The life of the body is in the blood. And we're not supposed to go around and drink. And again, we just have, this is just flying in the face of God by letting this stuff happen. And what it's doing is it's literally defiling the land. It's allowing evil to come and perpetuate in our society more and more and more. And these people that are doing this where they're drinking each other's blood, they're literally becoming more demon-possessed by the day. Because it's a great way. You want to get good and demon-possessed? Well, yeah, just go around drinking each other's blood. That's a good way to do it. And Satan's loving every bit of it. Next article. I know this is a lighthearted teaching today. I know. I'm sorry. It's real... Lighthearted. Anyway, this one's entitled The Shack Author. This popular book, The Shack, says that, quote, the God of the evangelical Christianity is a monster. That's a quote from him. So if you think The Shack book is a good book, uh, you might want to rethink things. This past Friday night, author and researcher Ray Youngin attended a lecture at Concordia University in Portland, Oregon to hear the Shack author, Paul, William Paul Young, the name of Young's talk was, quote, Can God really be that good? That's what the name of his talk was. During the talk, Young told the audience that, quote, The God of evangelical Christianity is a monster. End of quote. He said he was referring to the evangelical belief that God is a God of judgment and will judge all the unbelieving. Young also rejects the biblical view of atonement through Jesus Christ. Whereas Jesus Christ died as a substitute to pay our price for, for sins. This view by Young is evident in a radio interview he had one year ago where he rejected this view of atonement. He echoes the sentiments of William Shannon and Brennan Manning who both say that, God, that the God who punishes his own son to pay for the sins of others does not exist. And this is a quote from this Shannon guy from evidently a book he did on called Silence of Fire, page 110. He says, quote, He is the God who exacts the last drop of blood from his son, so that his just anger evoked by sin may be appeased, the God whose moods alternate between gracious and a fierce anger, a God who is still all too familiar to many Christians. He, he is actually a caricature of the true God. This God does not exist. Now, this is the, this is the kind of garbage heresy that 
many, many, many Christians are embracing. Why? Because they, they've totally got away from the Word of God. And they're reading books. Books after books after books. By this and that author. Who have no fear of God. Who are actually nothing more than agents of Satan. Put there in order to destroy your faith. People like this in the shack. And people that like Oprah promotes. And all these new age gurus. And all of this new age emerging church garbage. That's infiltrating this mystic Christianity. That's, that stems a lot from Catholicism. That's infiltrating the modern day churches of America. It's no different. This is where they're all coming to. Destroying your faith so that when the Antichrist and the false prophet make their appearance, your faith is going to be so weak, you're going to be like a little pushover. And you're going to follow the wrong thing if that's where you're at. Young told the audience that his book has now sold 14 million copies. The Shack. He says that he believes his book has been a, quote, God thing. Yeah, small g God thing, not God of the Bible. Uh, he said his book's been a God thing to heal people's souls because so many people have been tainted by this evangelical God. This is, this is the rank blasphemy and heresy that we're dealing with. This is why I don't rarely ever even go into a Christian bookstore from the standpoint of going to like all the authors because... Not to say they're all bad, but you've got to be really picky and persnickety about who you're reading. Okay? Because there's more false authors than there are non-false authors at this point. And it's part of the strong delusion. You can't even hardly go into a Christian bookstore and find a King James Bible. You're going to get every version but, just about. And why is that? Well, the King James doesn't have a copyright on it. At least not in America. It does, I understand, in England. But in America, it doesn't have a copyright. Anybody can copy it and distribute it. The NIV, the American Standard, the Living, every other version, flavor of the week that comes out are all copywritten. Because of that, they can make much more money off their different translations. And that is one of the main reasons they keep coming out with translations, is money. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. They can have a copyright on it, they can make more money. Because they can have a corner on the publishing, on the market on the publishing. Okay, so Young says his book, The Shack, is so, said his book is so effective because when you put something in a story form, it gets past your mental defenses. Well, spoken like a true Satanist. Young's obvious disdain for Christianity in a derogatory manner, he said there is 1.4 million rules in the evangelical church. And this is shown in his book as well as The Shack's, The Shack's Jesus states, quote, I have no desire to make, to make them, which is the people from all religious and political backgrounds, Christian. That's what the Jesus in the shack states. So see, what is this? It's another Jesus. It's another gospel. And the Bible says that if anyone come to you, whether it be an angel in heaven or any other man, if they preach another gospel, then to the words written in the word of God, then let him be accursed. And then it says that in the next verse again, States the exact same thing over, twice. Let them be accursed. And this is why the Bible says we're supposed to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. That The Bible says we're supposed to do this. But most of the Christians would come out and say, oh, no, 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 we, we, we judge not, lest, lest ye be judged. Well, Jesus said, um, well, the Word of God says, he was spiritual, judgeth all things. Jesus Christ himself said, Judge righteous judgment. Jesus Christ marked them. What did he call the Pharisees and Sadducees? He called them serpents and vipers. He called them white and sepulchers, which is like a tomb. He called them white and sepulchers full of dead man's bones. Jesus Christ did that. But see, the kind of judgment that he said not to do is the hypocritical judgment. When you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brothers, that's you're, you're a hypocrite at that point. That's the type of judging we're not to do. We need to get the beam out of our own eye first so that we can judge the speck in our brothers. So, again, a little clarification there. Uh, Young asked evangelicals, do you, want to, do you want to hold on to your darkness? And answered for them by saying, no, you want to get rid of it. So in other words, we want to get rid of the God of the Bible. We want to get rid of Jesus Christ. We want this other Jesus. We like him better because he doesn't judge us. This is the day and time and world we're living in here. 
Here's another article. Now, this is an email I got from a listener. And this is a voice of the martyrs warning. The ministry voice of the martyrs. Okay? Now, I'm telling you right now, I agree with this because I was on their mailing list for a long time. And I'm telling you, what he's saying is is just, there is the reason I finally emailed them and told them, take me off your mailing list, you're, no, you're doing nothing more than promoting Catholics. They're, 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 they're literally putting Catholics on the same level as a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. That's what they do over and over again in their newsletters, and it's incredibly dangerous what they're doing. He said, uh, it's from Eric, I found this interesting. It seems the Jesuits have infiltrated Voice of the Martyrs. Anything to convince people that Catholicism is real and that following Jesus is synonymous with Catholicism. Satan must be tickled. Getting all the unsuspecting, undiscerning, uninformed American Christians to believe that Catholicism is Christian. This is the reference to the story from Iraq in their newsletter. These pictures reveal that this good Christian who was persecuted, the Catholic Archbishop Emil Nola, and there's a link here you can click on, and uh, you can see it for yourself. I mean, this guy's as Catholic as it gets. And then he goes on to say, I like the Dagon hat. It was a nice touch. Now, if you don't understand what that means, the Pope wears what they call a mitre. You ever see that thing? If you look at it from the side, if you took that mitre and you looked at it from the side, it's, it goes up like this. Okay, it looks like a fish mouth. It's actually an adaptation from Dagon, the fish god. Now, where do we know about Dagon in the Bible? Well, in the story of Samson, when Samson is, gets his hair cut off and he gets taken in the temple and he cuts off his hair, but God gives him that last burst of strength where he, where he blows out the pillars, that's the temple of Dagon. And this was the, this was the thing that kept falling on its face. And it's, a, it's the fish god. The, the Dagon hat that the Pope wears and that a lot of these cardinals in them wear is actually a representation of Babylonian mystery religions in the form of Dagon, the fish god. Also, in the, in the inside of the Pope's hat, do you know what it says in there? It says vicar of Christ on the inside lining. That word vicar means substitute. So he's, it, he literally believes, the Pope literally believes that he is the substitute for Jesus Christ on this earth. That's the title he assumes. What rank blasphemy. Anyway, this guy that, that uh, the, um, the uh, voice of the martyrs is saying was persecuted and was such a great Christian, he's wearing this big dig on, he's got the whole Catholic flowing robes. You can click on the link and see it for yourself. He goes on to say the man is a pagan devil worshiper. The people in the photos are a bunch of pagans who need the word of God to break through the darkness that vo- uh, voice of the martyrs and American Christians label as Christianity. See, Catholicism is desperately trying to get born-again Bible believers on board to their theology. They call themselves the mother church. And from a standpoint of what Protestantism is, Protestantism did come out of that church. And I hate to say that. But Protestantism, I don't ever call myself a Protestant. You know what that word stands for? They were the church. They were the part of the church that came out of the Catholic church. Okay, through Martin Luther, the 95 Thesis nailed on the door and the whole nine yards. Okay, the reason they call them Protestants is because they were the sect of people that came out of the Catholic Church and were protesting what the Catholic Church was doing. And yes, they made a lot of good points, but the problem is, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I'm not saying all Protestants are going to hell, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is they brought baggage with them. From that, whether Lutherans, Methodists, whatever, the Roman Catholic Church is trying to get all these other denominations that came out from them to see, you need to come back to the mother church. We're the true church. We're where you came from. Whereas the true born-again Bible-believing Christians like the Waldensians and the Anabaptists and the, those types of groups, which were separate and never had anything to do with the Catholic Church, that was a totally different line of Christians. They were here separately. They were the ones persecuted. They were the ones massacred. They were the, the, the literal martyrs that with the Roman Catholic Church during the Inquisition killed 40 million people. 40 million people. And they, most of them, a lot of them were Bible-believing Christians. I mean, families, the, the wives, the children, they burned them at the stakes. They, they, and yet, we don't even... And then you have the whole Catholic pedophile priesthood today. And this satanic organization is continued to allow to exist. And there's nothing been more than nothing than a tool of Satan 
40 million people. And yet they, yet they call upon the name of Jesus Christ and they say Jesus Christ, you know, is good and this and that. And what they're trying to do is ride the coattails of Jesus Christ in order to perpetuate and propagate their false religion and Mary worship and, and going after lying signs and wonders. What did Jesus Christ say that about that? He said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, but no sign shall be given unto, but under the sign of Jonah, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That was the sign Jesus Christ gave him. But a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. That's what the Catholic Church wants to do. And there, there's so many satanic aspects to the Catholic Church. And we've done, I can't tell you how many teachings on that. Just go up to uh, my website, uh, the website at uh, contendingfortruth.com, Kean Catholics. If you don't find it there, go up to YouTube, Kean Scott Johnson and Catholics. You'll find them. You'll find the teachings I've done. Anyway, uh, let's see here. So he goes on to say, it's got nothing to do with the real Jesus of the Bible. Nothing to do with spiritual truth and reality. Although they are much closer to where these Catholic practices came from. Pagan idolatrous wickedness started in, in Babylon, trickled around the world, got mashed together in Rome, and finally all that filth is back in the hands of the Chaldeans. He makes a good point. Like a satanic return to sender, 3,500 years in the making. They worship the false gods that their ancestors worship. Nimrod and Semiramis and Tammuz would be proud. After looking at the photos on their website, come back to Voice of America paragraph, but keep a barf bag handy, as it says, quote, Ask God to guard the hearts of Iraqi Christians against fear so they can continue serving him with boldness. Now they're saying this about the Catholic Church and this guy wearing the mitre. They're taking people to hell. Now, it's very unfortunate if these people are dying for the Catholic faith because they're dying absolutely 100% in vain. But the fact, and I pray to God their souls be saved. It's not that I don't want them to be saved, but let me tell you something. They're not going to be saved unless they get educated. Unless, unless the Holy Spirit reveals to them the truth about their lost state and that they cannot earn their way to heaven through Catholicism, through keeping the seven sacraments and all the other garbage they say they got to do. But this is what Voice of uh, the Martyr says. Ask God to guard the hearts of Iraqi Christians against fear so they continue serving Him with boldness. What, boldness serving the Catholic religion? It's an abomination. Anything to broaden, quote, God's love and mercy. All Catholicism is a satanic baggage and a Trojan horse. A Satan, if Satan can get the people to embrace a Trojan horse into their hearts and minds as Christian, then there'll be all kinds of ungodly, unbiiblical, strong delusion, lies, filth, to smuggle in also. And with great ease, with my heart is grieved that so many people can be so deceived, both the Chaldean Maria worshippers and the Christians in America who think that Catholicism is legitimate. And I'm telling you, there's more and more people that believe that. That it's, the, that it's on a level playing field with Bible-believing Christianity. It's just a different flavor. He goes on to say, I wouldn't think it was so easy to trick human beings if I didn't see it for myself. I guess you can convince people to believe just about anything with great ease, according to Romans 16, verse 18. And then he tells me, he says, please don't ever buy one of those Dagon hats. <laughs> I won't, Eric. I, I won't. I don't even know how I'd get one. Maybe you could get one up on eBay. Um, next article, we're getting close to the end here. Uh, Palestinian TV broadcast kids singing about anti-Israel war song to the terrorist who aided the suicide bomber. Uh, Palestinian TV chose to honor the female Palestinian terrorist, Sanina Shahida, by visiting her home, interviewing her family, and broadcasting her two young nieces dedicating an anti-Israel war song to her. Sania Shadia is serving three life sentences in an Israeli prison for transporting a suicide terrorist to Jerusalem in 2002. The three, three civilians were killed and dozens wounded in the attack on King George Street. The hate song chosen by the little girls, which they knew by heart, included the words, quote, I want to carry a machine gun and a rifle, and we shall strike Israel. Now, I've reported on this many times in times past, how this sick brainwashing the Muslims do of their children, and how they are bred and taught hate from literally in the crib. Literally in the crib they are taught hate. But remember, it's a religion of peace, so that's what they call themselves. 
The girls were filmed outside the terrorist home and appeared in a pre-recorded feature on the official Palestinian Authority TV about Palestinian prisoners in Israeli jails. I'll give you a link. You can click on to view the actual girls singing this song on Palestinian TV. And then I give you the words, the, the whole words of the whole song. Um, what am I doing here while my enemy is on my ancestors' land? I want to defend, I want to fight. I want to carry a machine gun and a rifle. And tomorrow when the war starts, I won't care about you, my enemy, or about the West. Tomorrow when the war starts, I won't care about you, my enemy, or the West. We shall strike Israel, we shall strike Israel. And return you to us, land my ancestors. So, it's, yeah, real heartwarming stuff here. Uh, there's no, two more links here where you can see the how the um, Arab TV is glorification of terrorists and how they promote violence and how they're brainwashing these Palestinian children. Huh. The Bible says that Jesus said that if you you know offend one of these little ones that believeth in me, it's better if you hang a millstone around your neck and you be cast into the midst of the sea. And I mean, I understand they're not being brought up in Christianity, but they're being they're being taught a religion of hate. Allah is nothing more than the moon god. He's just another false deity, a fallen fallen angelic deity that people are worshiping as God. Allah is not God, and we prove that we've proved that in many other teachings. Not the God of the Bible, that's for sure. The next article. This is a McDonald's TV ad featuring a homosexual teenager. Controversial new TV commercial by McDonald's features a gay teenager has gone viral only days after its release. Uh, in the ad, which airs only in France, because I guess they can handle this, a teenage boy sits, in a, and I watched the ad. I'll give you the link, you can watch it. This is right off sermonaudio.com. They, they were detailing this. A teenage boy sits in a McDonald's booth looking lovingly at a class photo when his cell phone rings. And on the other end, we hear, I was just thinking about you, he says. And then the boy in the booth says, I miss you too, he replies. And then says that he has to go because his dad is coming to the booth with their food. The dad sits across from the son and remarks that he was quite the ladies' man when he was his son's age. The father then looks at the class picture and remarks, it's all too bad that his son's class is all boys. But the, but the son can only smile. And that's how it ends. I mean, that's pretty sickening. And to me, it's enough reason not to eat at McDonald's as if there wasn't enough bad stuff going on there. If you think McDonald's food's healthy, just watch the documentary called Supersize Me and watch that guy's health deteriorate in one month from eating McDonald's every meal and supersizing it. And they literally stopped the supersizing option because of the show. But it's not going to stop the, the bad health effects. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's what McDonald's is up to. I showed you last year the Heinz ketchup commercial where they had that guy that looked uh, he looked like that mobster that always played in all, all these movies. I forget his name. He's a real famous actor. But they had him in a kitchen. Oh, this is sickening. And they had him in a kitchen. He's wearing his little white chef's hat and two kids come in. I think a boy and a girl. And they're like, oh, hey, Daddy, you know this? Do you have our lunches ready for school? And he's like, oh, yeah, here you go. I mean, this is like a macho-looking guy, you know? And then this other guy walks in, and he's like, and the two little kids kiss the guy goodbye, and then the other guy's like, where's my kiss? And I'm like, oh, no, and they kiss each other, and it's on film, and it's a Heinz ketchup commercial that got removed right away because there was such public outcry. But that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to brainwash us into this line and vein of thinking that this is just an alternative lifestyle, even though the Bible totally condemns it. And again, this is why the Bible will eventually be outlawed as literally a hate crime book, because it goes against much of what the legislation is now being passed. Last article. Dar uh, th this is an article about DARPA. More troops than ever are surviving their battlefield injuries. Often overlooking the military's healthcare system, massive blood shortages continue to plague military trauma care centers. And the problem is complicated by the remote, inaccessible locations of today's war zones. In 2008, DARPA, the Pentagon's, one of the, DARPA is just pure evil, okay? We could do a whole study just on DARPA, okay? But DARPA, who they're saying here is the Pentagon's blue sky research arm, launched the Blood Farming Program 
with the goal of manufacturing megadoses of universal donor red blood units using a compact, self-contained system. They're going to manufacture blood? Farming is the process of genetically engineering animals or plants to generate mass quantities of medically useful substances like hormones or antibodies or blood. How can you make blood and then put it into somebody? I don't know one thing. I wouldn't want it, particularly if the government's got anything to do with it. Um, DARPA wants a synthetic platform that's engineered to cultivate blood cells. Now, Arteriocyte, the Cleveland, Ohio biotech firm that got 1.5 million for the project, has sent off an initial shipment of their farmed blood product to the FDA. It hopes to pass the muster with with the agency's safety regulators. The blood was produced using hemopoietic cells derived from embryonic cord blood units. Currently, it takes aerocyte scientists three days to turn a single umbilical cord unit into 20 units of RBC-packed blood. The average soldier, soldier needs six units during a trauma treatment. So again... The life of the flesh is in the blood. We're not supposed to eat it. We're not supposed to consume it. And I tell you one thing for sure. We're not supposed to get it from some synthetic source that the government is using, potentially animals, plants, or whatever to generate. And remember, it's one of the primary ways I believe they're going to try to use to literally taint and defile our DNA. And our DNA, which is is literally what makes us us. And and again, we've reported on that in many other studies. So that's our study for today. I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I praise you, Lord, for uh, being able to have the opportunity to uh, present another teaching, Lord. I don't know how much longer we have, Lord, but I do pray if it be your will that you would extend the time that we have to warn the body of Christ and in unsaved believers, Lord, that many would be saved as a result of your truth and your efforts going forth worldwide, Lord, and that you would continue to to maintain an open platform that we can get this out. I pray you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And Lord, we we ask that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified um, through the body of Christ this day. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.